0: Hi, this is Jenny Nash, founder and CEO of Author Accelerator. During the pandemic, there was an explosion of people who wanted to write memoir, and many of those writers are now struggling to make sense of their drafts and figure out how to approach the marketplace. It's a great time to be a book coach who specializes in memoir, and in March 2024, Author Accelerator is launching a certification course to give memoir coaches the skills, tools, and experience to meet writers where they are. Our year-long program is robust and intense. I'm inviting any listeners of this show who are interested in our coaching program to sign up for a one-on-one session with me to strategize about whether or not this course is right for you. Just go to bookcoaches.com/backslash/amwriting to sign up for a time that works for you. That's bookcoaches.com/backslash/amwriting. I look forward to chatting with you. Is
1: it recording? Now it's recording. Yay! Go ahead.
0: This is the part where I stare blankly
1: at the microphone and try to remember what I'm supposed to be doing. All right, let's start over. Awkward pause. I'm going to wrestle some papers. Okay. Now, one, two, three. Okay. Hey, I'm KJ Delantonia, and this is Hashtag i the weekly-ish podcast about-ish all things writing, no ish there, writing short things, long things, fiction, non-fiction. We're the podcast about finding a way to sit down and get your work
0: done. I'm Jenny Nash. I'm founder and CEO of Author Accelerator, and I have a cold today, but I sound a lot worse than I feel, so I am happy to be here and really excited to be here with our good friend Dan Blank. I am
1: KJ Delantonia. I am the author of three novels The Chicken Sisters, In Her Boots, and Playing the Witch Card, as well as the nonfiction book How to Be a Happier Parent. I'm the former editor and lead writer of The Mother at the New York Times, um, which is now receding rapidly into the past, but still worth talking about. And if y'all listen to what I think will be approximately last week's episode, you will know that I was sick and we recorded an all entire episode about working while sick during which Jenny gloated because she was not sick. So um, this is what the fates bestow upon you.
0: And I have the best <laughs> idea for a novel that came to me from that. What if there was a virus that was, you could get through the phone Think how long it would take us to figure that out, right? Through a Zoom or whatever. It would take forever. I know. It'd be such a good story.
1: And also terrible and probably require some suspension of disbelief. But hey, what doesn't? All right. We digress because we um, are here today and very excited to be joined by our friend Dan Blank. Dan is so many things. Among others, he's been writing a weekly email to people for literally um, more than, I know it's more than a decade. Dan, how long is it?
2: It's more than 18 years at this point. We're going on 19 years.
1: Right. So 19 years of reaching out weekly with um, with great information, which right now is centered around helping writers find their readers. Dan's also the author of the book, Be the Gateway, which is a really fantastic and different way of looking at finding your audience and reaching them and really changed my personal view of reaching readers. He also runs three work stop, workshops Sorry for people who are planning to create an email on Substack, which is kind of what we're going to talk about today. We're going to be focused on creating an email that helps you reach your readers without the help of a company that is owned by somebody who is not you, although I guess email providers kind of fit into that bill, but it's not like suddenly having, you know your ex-social media account sucked away, which could happen to anyone at any moment. So anyway, Dan has three workshops specifically geared towards Substack, but that also would help inform the creation of any kind of regular email reach out to readers. And they are launch and grow an email newsletter on Substack, find your voice and get into your groove on Substack, and find the readers who will love your Substack. So Dan is basically an expert on reaching readers and that's why we've asked him here today now i feel like i should be like wait wait don't tell you and say tell me and say because we're gonna play a game called reach things on higher shelves all right anybody who listens to that will get that and everyone else is like kj just let dan talk okay hi dan thanks
2: thank you for thanks for having me (laughs) great to be here
1: i'm a little hyper because this is the first time i've felt any form of energy in like three weeks so forgive me i'm gonna use it all on on you on you all so dan what made you want to reach out and talk to writers about creating these um in i don't know how specific i want to get to substack so let's just talk sp- first about what made you want to work with writers who were creating emails to reach readers
2: well i feel like substack is a bit of the elephant in the room because i've yeah. like i've said i've had a newsletter for getting close to two decades first time i ever said that phrase out loud and newsletters have always been here, and they have kind of fallen in and out of fashion. The benefits of them have, are, are unchanged, and we'll talk about that. But like a lot of things, suddenly Substack has become in vogue, and people mm-hmm. don't say, "Oh, I'm starting a newsletter." They say, "I'm starting a Substack," and there's a cachet around that, and that can be pro or you know positive or negative depending. But it really has changed people's willingness to talk about it. But also, I will say because I've been using so many newsletters not just for myself but for my clients, I work with a lot of writers. What Substack is doing is unique from what any other major newsletter platform has done before. In that they're solving the thing that Mailchimp couldn't solve and AWeber couldn't solve and ConvertKit couldn't solve, which is not can you help me set up a newsletter? Can you help me get it delivered? Can you give me cool statistics tools? It's, can you help me get subscribers? And that has been the game changer. And the second thing I'll add on just to the end is it's done this other life-changing thing for a lot of writers of making it normal for writers to say, if you want to pay me for my writing, that would be okay. Total huge shift in the writing space. Those two reasons, I think, are why... I've embraced Substack so much and why a lot of people are talking about newsletters and Substack specifically.
1: So it's kind of two separate pieces there, which is I mean, you're you're right. Substack Substack is offering discoverability, which means I mean that and that has always been the challenge of an email. I mean, I have an email and I've had it for years, and the only way I've been able to share people with it is to tell people about it on this podcast and to put it on social media periodically, maybe with a, you know, subscribe to my email and get my top 10 books of the books that, you know, that I loved most in 2023, sort of gift with subscription. Um, and Substack allows the writers of popular Substacks or, or just related Substacks to recommend your Substack. And it also is a place where you can go and possibly find things that might interest you. So it is different in that way.
2: Yeah, and they have their built in social network as well, which they call notes, which is small, but there were two people today that commented on something. I shared a note saying, I just discovered you in the notes field and I love what you write and all that. And I'm like, oh. that's that's kind of nice. And because it's on the same platform as my newsletter, it's different than what had happened on Twitter, which was at the time really interesting, but all the way over there, so to speak, away right. from right. converting to my newsletter list. Yeah.
0: yeah. I had something happen um, recently through notes that reminded me of the old Twitter. And, and I'm reminded now that Dan and I actually met on Twitter. That's how we met. We, we, in the early Twitter wow. days, right. And yeah. something happened on notes where I, I barely even know what I'm doing on there. And I said something. Um, and I referenced um, Emma Gannon, who's one of the big players and has a big Substack. I think somebody asked a question referencing one of her posts and I responded to it. And she quoted me in her post the next week. And and I had that same feeling that I had in early Twitter days was like, oh, my gosh, that's so cool. Like that that would never happen anywhere else. And that that joy of connection is what it's doing so beautifully. So let's start with
1: who should have. Like I said, I'm, I'm wrestling with whether to just I, let's just focus. You can on see an email sub-stack. newsletter. Fine, fine, fine. We're gonna focus. Yeah, no, but but who should have who should have a Substack? Should we all I mean, have Substacks?
2: <laughs> I mean, the work that I do is inherently about writers taking control of this idea of identifying their readers, of being intentional about putting their writing out there. Whether you have books out there, whether you're still working on a book, whether you write essays, whatever that is. So the idea of an email newsletter is invariably that. It's this push-pull thing. You know, you put something on social media and you're hoping that they discover it and that they kind of come into your universe. When you have permission to email someone, you can reach out to them when you want to. It is guaranteed, generally speaking, to land in their inbox, a major channel by which they communicate. And what's nice about it is that people can choose to subscribe and they can choose to unsubscribe. And the side benefit as well, as I think we've seen a lot in the last year, and you mentioned this earlier, social media has just changed so dramatically in the last year. It continues to change. And our relationship with it changes. When you have permission to email someone, you have that list. You, can, you might be on Substack, and then maybe in a year you say, I'm done with that. I'm going to move back to MailChimp. You can take that with you. When you leave Twitter, mm-hmm. you can't take that. You can say, hey, everyone, I'm over on Blue Sky now or whatever. But it's there, it's locked up in Twitter's little, you know, private database. So invariably it's not just that the newsletter is a certain tool for certain people, it's this idea that I encourage you as a writer to communicate with people, communicate with your readers and understand whatever you're writing about, whether it's, you know, novels or memoir, nonfiction, whatever, really thinking about what is the feeling that people want from this? You know, what do they get from the ethos of why I create? And then how can I share that in a recurring manner? And that's a whole topic of discussion of what you share. But it's that idea of taking control of that, of not just waiting for someone else somewhere to share about your work and you feeling like you've got no control over it and no agency and no relationship with the actual readers.
1: Yeah, I I mean, and I wholeheartedly agree with you that having control of our... I mean, I've moved my list from... I don't even remember to Flowdesk to now it's on Substack. You can pull it out. Um, You know, you can, it's hard. It would be a real anger producing blow for a email service provider to suddenly fold in a way that did not allow people to suck out their email lists. Um, I guess it could happen.
2: But you can also, I back up my list all the time. There's a one button backup tool and and all these providers have it, which is so great. And you all should do that, by the way.
1: (laughs) Yes, everyone back up your lists. All right. If you take one thing out of this, it's go back up your lists. So I guess the, the next thing we come to is, you know, what kind of thing might a writer want to share in their Substack. And I, I think within that, and it's exactly like you said, it's the elephant in the room. Um, do we want to ask people to pay for it? Do we want to invite people to contribute? I guess when as I'm, as I'm looking at Substack as a Substack reader right now, I am feeling a little bombarded, especially as a writer whose friends are all suddenly starting Substacks. I'm feeling very bombarded with requests to pay seven, eight, nine dollars a month, which adds up um, for content of varying degrees of whether or not I want it. And the, there's sort of this question of are these writers looking for support for their work or are they trying to provide you something that's worth the money? Does that, does it, do you?
2: Yeah, I understand. You see the
1: distinction here. I feel like there's sort of there's the Patreon side of Substack, which is kind of like support me while I write my next novel because you loved my first novel. And there's the Liz Lynn side of Substack, which is support me because I am doing on-the-ground reporting on politics in the Midwest that no one else is doing and no one will pay me for. I feel like those are two very different things and a lot of people are not sure which category that they fall into.
2: Yeah, I think it's a difficult thing. I think inherently when you think about what can you share in general because a lot of writers have that the first roadblock which is like look, my novel won't be out for a year. What what could I possibly right. share? Because they think of a newsletter as a 1920s newsletter. It's a newsletter. Here's the news that's happening and the news reel <laughs> goes on the screen with the flickering thing. Whereas this is inherently about thinking, you know, how do the book is a perfect and beautiful thing. We're not sharing that necessarily though you can around launch or whatever. It's what are the themes I write about? What are the feelings that people get from my writing? Um, What do I love exploring? How do I share that with people? And I'll always in my head go back to an offline um, version of this. I'm I'm fifty, and what I love about being fifty is that I remember the completely, totally, utterly offline world, especially like cafe culture in the nineties, and I also have like you know decades and decades into the online world. I'll think about, well, if we we're going to have a reading club at a cafe, what would we talk about? If we're going to do a series, if it's going to show up somewhere. So that's the first thing is knowing how to talk about what you write and why, and then think about the different styles and newsletters you would have. So you talk about the writing process, you talk about certain themes you write about, talk about books that you love, all these different things. As far as what people pay for, people are weird with their relationship with money, inherently they're paying for what you make them feel. It's what they feel about themselves or what they feel about you. And I've seen, you know, we can think of countless examples of things that one person felt was worthless. Another person said, oh my gosh, this changed my life. Thank you. And from the writer perspective, they never know that. I think most people have imposter syndrome with this. And when we see someone like Emma Gannon succeed so much... She gives us permission, whether she knows it or not, I think she's aware of it now anyway, that, oh, maybe I can get paid for just having this. But I do think that it challenges you to think about, if I'm getting paid, well, then what is my commitment? How how frequently am I updating? What am I sharing? Am I inspiring? Am I entertaining? Am I giving people insider view? Am I being radically authentic? Am I teaching? And these are questions that I think are useful regardless of whether you think of a newsletter as a tiny part of what you do or a major part of what you do. Um, And I think all of us, to your point, because Substack is growing so much in the culture, you know, we start off like, oh, I'll pay for five people and then 10. And you're like, well, I, I mean, I should pay for Jenny's, right? All this sort of stuff. And suddenly you have that issue we had on Instagram, which is, I follow too many people, but I feel bad about unfollowing anyone. Because if I unfollow them, they're going to see I'm unfollowing them. And then they're going to think I don't like them anymore. All this social stuff. And I think just as adults, we have to be mature about this, of of knowing that whatever your budget is a month, and rotating that. Um, Most people I pay on Patreon, I don't pay them because I care about the value they're giving. I pay them because I like them. And I just want to support them if my $3 a month or $10 a month does that. I feel better about the universe because I just am so glad that they're doing what they do.
1: Yeah, and I just I think that's a distinction that we have to sort of sort out for ourselves as as writers is is that what we want from the people that we're you know that we're sending our Substack to? So, for example, as a as a podcast, we on am writing had um, and we're we're on Substack and we had supporters and what we found is that those supporters were not paying us for additional content. People were just as happy to support us because we're providing this podcast and they love it, whether they also got a weekly uh, thing or not. And then we turned off subscriptions temporarily because we were rejiggering and we're about to turn them back on because I do feel that our listeners want to support us, but they're supporting this thing that we're doing that they can listen, that everyone can listen to free and they're supporting it in part so that everyone can get to it. And there's a distinction between that and the many, many, many writers that I have right now who are sending, you know, the first three lines of something and then it says, if you want to read the rest, convert to paid. I'm seeing people that I honestly feel like are making mistakes there. And that's really why I wanted us to have this conversation is I want to talk about how to do that correctly um, you know how to or I, mean, I mean maybe there is no correctly but I want to talk about knowing what it is that you're doing and what it how to do it consciously I think that's what I'm trying to get at
2: I will say I love the fact that now we have this place where writers are experimenting with the business model behind supporting their writing financially I just think that that is so cool uh, but yeah let's dig into it
1: <laughs> yeah. So I mean, you know, if if you're somebody who's out there and you're you're listening to this and you're thinking, well, I have an email, I'm happy about that, and maybe I'm going to put it on Substack. Which, incidentally, the I mean, the advantage to that is it's free. Sub Substack is, you know, Substack is free. They take a piece if you do have subscribers, but yeah. for the paid, moment, if you have and paid
2: subscribers,
1: if you have paid subscribers, yeah, they they take a piece of that, and I think that's you know. They should. That's that's the business model, and it totally works. But for the moment, if you don't have paid subscribers, it's free to use. It's pretty basic. Um, there's not a lot of bells and whistles around, and it does not work well for someone like Serena, who has a lot of different. Um, it's just a, it's a it's a different business model that she's using. But for someone who's just trying to reach the same people, week or month after week or month, it's a great it's a great place to be. Either way, so if you're trying if you're out there and you're trying to figure out what to do, what are some of the things you consider should consider around? I mean, this is such a huge question, but around what kind of thing you might write and what kind of thing you might write that would you, that people might be interested in paying for or how you might phrase asking for contributions, which still to me remains a different thing.
2: Yeah. So I have my whole system, um, which <laughs> Jenny knows a lot about too, but the that, a couple of essential areas in general. Where Any writer talking about themselves, I always encourage they develop what I call their key messages, and then their audience personas. It's two sides of this coin of thinking about talking about what you write and why, and to put those into phrases you would say out loud to another person, because that's where you get from the idea of like, well, I wrote a book about you know describing an object, versus. This is what I like exploring, and this is why it matters to me, and this is the other things that I like doing. And this can be inclusive of, obviously, your books and your writing. It can also include other parts of your life. Because I have, you know, work with authors who are children's book, you know, writers. And they also run marathons. It's a big part of who they are, and we find these narratives. I mean, some people might play pickleball a lot, and we find narratives that bring that into their... There, how they talk about their writing, Jenny Nash. Well um, I wanna
0: before you go on to, to the other answers, so let's hold on to the question KJ asked, which is how do people know what what to share and then how do people know what part of that to potentially ask for money for? Because I wanna stick with this idea. It's such a big idea that that Dan and you you always just um say it so elegantly that it's easy to, to whiz by it, this idea of keywords or what what I write about what you know? What what is my life about? What are these big things about? And the reason I want to focus the spotlight on this is that people can often hear what you're saying, Dan, and they think, "Oh, I'm going to share about my book that's coming out next year." And what I'm going to share is, um, "Ooh, here's the cover reveal," and "Oh, I got this cool blurb from somebody," and like the mechanics of bringing a book out. Yeah. And to them, that's the most important and interesting thing in the entire universe. And I think we live at a time when anybody, any writer who's paying any attention, that this is not new to them. It's not It's not that interesting to them, really. And the, the writers need to elevate their conversation to be about something besides the fact that their book is coming out. And that's what Dan's talking about. So pickleball or marathons or whatever it's not just oh look I ran a marathon it's what does this have to do with the thing that I care about what does this have to do with the reason that I write or the topics that I write about or what I care about as a human being because your writing is tied up in all that as well and and that I think KJ that's part of what you're getting at as well is people are asking us to support these very half-baked things and what Dan is saying here with this idea of keywords is bake the thing, <laughs> right?
2: Yeah, so often it's a yeah. phrase of, you know, I believe in the power of the underdog. I believe that all of us can be creative. I believe that when we come together, we evolve as human beings. It's these phrases that, that underlie what you write. And it's something that anyone can agree with, even if they will never in a million years read your book. It's this idea, this concept. And when you get good at that, one, you know what the transaction is in, in Substack. You then also know how to describe what your Substack is. You know how to talk to someone about your book when you're in a cafe. It is that idea that people lean into instead of leaning away from like, oh, let me tell you about my new paranormal romance series, that whatever. And people are leaning back as they're like, oh, I'm now in a sales pitch, which is not what people want. Yeah. So So. (laughs) in terms of the transaction, it's the idea of of knowing how to do that. And I I love the way you explain that, Jenny. Thank you. And the other thing is understanding your ideal reader and thinking about what is the experience that they want. A lot of people, when they choose to pay for a Substack, they want to feel connected to someone. They want to feel that they are, it could be learning something inspired, sometimes just to feel part of a community. Um, Phrases I really like, Because a lot of people say, well, I don't really have the credentials. And phrases I like using are, you know, I'm really curious about da-da-da-da-da. I love exploring da-da-da-da-da. So for me, it's this idea of I love exploring the idea of, you know, everyone should be creative, that when you share, your work is complete. These are broader ideas that I am exploring. I don't have like a PhD in this. I just explore it every day. And I've done it enough years in a row where it kind of is a credential now. But it's this idea of they are coming along for that ride, and they want to connect with you, and sometimes they want to connect as an insider. They want to be part of that smaller group of people who are getting Emma Gannon's or Jenny Nashes or whoever's insider special little thing. Um, even for my paid Substack, I'm doing a video, a special video a week. And in some ways, that's a ridiculous idea, because people join Substack to read, and here I am doing video. But one, I love video and I was a little tired of doing it for free on Instagram. And two, if people are subscribing to my work, they either like me and how I share or they don't. And if they like it, you're going to get the insider stuff. You're going to come into this studio. I'm going to tell you how things really are. And it's that depth of connection that I think people often want.
0: Well, what what I find interesting about this conversation is I keep thinking about fiction writers or memoir writers and they're they're working on a a book that's a story and what we're talking about here in terms of crafting a newsletter that that gives other people a feeling or gives them insight or an insider track on something is a different skill it's a different thing it's and I think that's why so many people are nervous about it, is that they recognize that it's something different. It's a different kind of creation. It's a different kind of writing. And they've just spent all this time trying to, you know, master this one kind. And now we're saying, oh, now you have to do this other kind. But it, it really is a different type of thing. I happen to think that the tools and skills and characteristics that uh, allow people to write well, whether it's fiction or memoir or nonfiction, also can be leveraged in this regard but they they need to to learn how to do it and to as Dan's saying define these these keywords and define these content buckets and define these things that define them and that work is is not doesn't come naturally to people would you say that Dan
2: yeah, I, I I describe it as a craft. Um, and I grew up, I was the art kid, and my whole life has been that person who's creating and surrounded by creators. And I've seen that and I've felt that where you believe so passionately in the thing that you create, and you freeze up anytime someone asks you about it. So you never talked about it with your family or your friends or your colleagues, and you think, oh, well, I'll go to a writing retreat. And, and you find this narrow little space with other writers that you kind of learn how to talk about it. And I don't think that's enough. And I also don't think it's the most pleasant way to be a writer. Um, What I love about, you know, when KJ talks about being, oh, there's so much here. KJ has done an amazing job of being out there supporting other writers, of connecting with readers, of being alive in the world of literature and books. She's done that work as a craft. And that's, I think, why her work is so inspiring to so many people as well.
1: I, I worry about telling writers who are working on a novel or a memoir to add this particular craft to their bucket. And I worry about it for a couple of reasons. Um, I'm so in favor of having a way to reach the readers that love our work. But if we invest a lot of time in learning to put our work out, if this is not natural to you, if this does not come to you know, if you are not a person who would have had a blog back in the day, um, you know, if, if you are not a person who who does this naturally, this, this takes a lot of time, and I feel like something that some of us should step back and ask ourselves is, what do we want from this? process of connecting with readers. And if what we want is, I want people who would be interested to know when my next work is coming out, that is different from, I want to share my exploration of what it is like to uh, try to market a book on TikTok, or I want to share my excitement around, you know, what I learn about writing every day when I play pickleball. I, those, those are really different things. And I'm really worried. I really feel like I'm seeing a lot of people who fall into bucket A trying to force themselves into bucket B. See,
2: I, f- I feel Thoughts? like so much of the conversation over the years has been around this idea of a book launch and selling your book and getting reviews. I've talked to so many writers who go through that and they still feel hollow because they don't inherently feel like a writer. We talk about these big metrics, and even people have done well with it. One reason why I think it's neat to learn how to talk about what you create and why, again, I'm going back to the 90s and the 80s, this idea of feeling like you are alive as someone who creates and is engaging with other people who embrace the themes of what you care about. And that might be other writers, it could be readers, it could be be something in between. But that idea that when you look at your daily or monthly life, the writing is not this thing that you do by yourself on a laptop when your family isn't there, this kind of secret, hidden thing. And then it goes out on the Amazon or the whatever, and you see download numbers and you get a little royalty check or whatever it is. I think that people want to feel alive as a writer, and that happens with conversations and connections. It should never usurp the idea— of a book. A book is a magical, amazing, beautiful thing. But I do feel like people want to feel like a writer. And that's why they go to literary festivals or they want to be on a panel or they want to be honored in that way. And what I love is the idea that nowadays you have the opportunity. It's not an obligation. It's an opportunity to pursue these things in a way that is whatever level you want it to be at. Even my list is not that huge it's more than enough to make it feel like i'm making an impact in people's lives and that just fills me up inside
0: and i want to add something to that that is maybe not fair and perhaps <laughs> will not be popular but um, i love this already <laughs> kj what you what you said is that you worry about asking people who are are trying to figure out how to Write their first book, or learn how to write, or become a writer, or step into this world. That now we're saying, oh, and also you have to do this other thing, and and Dan made the point it is an opportunity, not an obligation. But the unpopular thing that I would venture to say is this is the world we live in now. This is the way that books are discovered. the The idea I've been I've been reading a book called Avid Reader by Robert Gottlieb, who was the famous editor-in-chief of Knopf and the New Yorker for many, many years. And the book is is somewhat horrifying because it's very old school publishing. And it's all sort of, well, I knew so-and-so from this school or this organization or this club or this event, or and then I published their book. It's all what we feared it used to be, right? Like you had to know somebody, you had to have an insider track. And, and it's also filled with, this book is also filled with literally the editor saying to the writers don't worry your pretty little head we will get you money you just go write like this was the way and this is not the way anymore that world is so far gone it is so far over and I think there's except for the part about people
1: knowing each other and I guess what we come back to is Dan saying this is your opportunity yeah it's like yes. how would you? You're not going to meet Anna, Emma Gannon, right? Just in passing because she lives in London and you live in California, right? Not because you might not, but pres- the uh, the the times when you overlap in space are small, right? But you overlap in this online world, so that is the opportunity here is to become a part of the conversation in a way that used to require that you go to the right school and have the right parents and uh, you know live in
0: the right city. A hundred percent, and and I was going to say. I'm glad that world is over. It was not a good world for a lot of writers. It excluded a lot of people. It was not democratic. We still have vestiges of those problems. But this new way, this online way, these online town squares allow us to to do that. And so the unpopular thing I was going to say is, yeah, you do. If you want to be part of it, you do kind of have to do both things. And the the myth i just see doing so much damage is that that old-fashioned idea of i'll just write my book and i will be discovered and somebody else will do all that all that lifting up of my work and connecting me and i'll just like dan was saying i'll just launch my book and and these good things will happen and and it's like no no you won't (laughs) this concludes tough love
2: with jenny nash (laughs) You, Love know, it.
1: you you're absolutely right. I just I I worry about people feeling like if I can't get people to pay me for my musings about the publishing process, probably my book is worthless. And I just feel like those are two totally different.
2: Well, the nice thing is you things. don't have to have a paid newsletter. Like you really yeah. don't. I only launched my paid really recently. Don't. And And I know what you're saying is this is a new thing. You're seeing everyone jump on this bandwagon and you are saying, whoa, some of you are asking me for things. I can't figure out what you do. That, that sort of thing. You're like, what am I even being asked to pay for here?
1: I'm saying, look at these three ways of doing this. One is I'm here for the connection. I'm here uh, because I want I want to give my readers the opportunity to know what I'm doing, to, to be, you know, to be in it with me to some extent, to know when I have something coming out. I want, I'm, I'm in it for the community. The second is I'm in it for the community. And also maybe my community would like to financially support me as I do this. And that's a, it's a different, it's a different question, but it's still like, I mean, like I said, we do ask the AM writing community to support to support us. And then the third one I think is I'm actually asking you to support. I'm I'm telling you that this thing that I am am offering you is worth your money as a thing. Like I think that's I, I just feel like those are three different places and we have too many people who probably belong in the first and the second things feeling like they need to be in the third thing. Like, I need to write you something every week that is worth you paying for. And I, I don't, that's, that's where I'm, that's no, that, I am No, that do. makes a lot of do sense.
2: This. And I will say what I like about that too is that the people who you see are really growing and really getting a lot of paid subscribers, you're realizing they're doing something that is really engaging with people. And that's something that there is a reason they're rising to the top, and I think there's something to learn from them, and it's something I think about a lot, which is, you know, you get to ask yourself these questions of, if I'm offering something, is is your point, is there that overt value, or is there that sense and of connection? And do I want
1: to to be providing that? Yeah. Like, do I want do I want that on me?
2: And there's yes, there's know, a to... lot of pressure to ask for money for anything,
1: but not so much to say. You you love what I'm doing. I would welcome your support. I feel like that's a different I mean, you're still you still have said, I'm here for you and I'm gonna do this thing, but it's a definitely a different
2: well, layer. One, one of thing it. I think people have to get good at with Substack is knowing how to turn off some of Substack's presets. Mm-hmm. Because some of their presets what they want, obviously, is encouraging more paid because they get paid more. And I don't think they're being unreasonable with that to your point before. But they will default. A lot. Once you go paid at all, they default your paid tier to be you've got to pay to, to leave comments, which I don't like. I think anyone should leave comments for the free stuff. So I turn that off. And I, then when I do a new paid post or a new post in general, a free post, it defaults to turning off comments for free subscribers, which I think is ridiculous. Um, it defaults to putting that little blurb like right at the top. It defaults to all these things. So yes, you do have to get good at stripping away some of this or spending more time in those settings pages to realize like when I go through like something like that, I turn it all off. And that's how I used to be on WordPress. I would download a template. I would delete all the templates from that theme and start fresh. And this is how I learn what what are the few things I want to add into it. And that reductive right. nature of starting fresh, I think is even for my newsletter, i moved over in April. I, I was on there a long time before I moved. My newsletter has looked basically the same even through this. I've barely used their little buttons. I've barely used things because I'm like, I am the most nervous person in the world. So I am going to tiptoe and I'm going to do it. I'm going to make the big move. I'm going to embrace it. I'm going to tiptoe into this. I didn't turn on paid until like a month or two ago, even though I have a business around this. I've had a business for 13 years mm-hmm. helping writers. So you also have that opportunity of turning things off and just starting super duper slow.
0: And if people are um, nervous about the tech part, I, I want to say a few things about that. I recently moved my newsletter over and was a bit overwhelmed by the tech part. And I, and I work with a lot of tech. And there, there are two things that can really mitigate that nervousness. One is get a little help. There, there are experts who are offering this kind of help. Um, Dan is among them in his excellent workshops. And there's others out there as well. But also, if you just set aside some time and Google, you know, just Google um, the answers. Substack has a lot of really excellent, um, what do you call it, customer support. That's the word I'm looking for. And, and you can find answers to all these things. You have to know to ask the question or the, the right question to ask. But you can take it slow and, and put it together bit by bit. So the, the tech the tech should not be in my mind the thing that is the roadblock to to doing this and getting on this and 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 sharing a newsletter in my mind the roadblock is what is your point of view what are you doing here uh, dan would say what are your keyword keywords uh, kj would say what is your intention for inviting people in but get that's the really hard work people tend to think it's the tech which is, is solvable. The, the hard, hard work is, what am I doing here? What is this? How is this serving me as a writer, a creator, a person who's writing a book? Uh, you know, those are the big difficult questions, which you can also get help with.
1: I wanted to end. Well, first of all, what what else should people know, Dan? I did, what did we miss? <laughs> I mean, there's 4,000 things that we I, I'm going to just tell you right now, I'm going to end with what I think are um examples of the three different approaches of to this the the this is free because it's here for a different reason the um i would love your i welcome your support you can pay for this but you get most of it either way and the we're giving you something for money but some something that's besides that the big ones the liz linds um, and the Anne Helen Petersons of the world. So so, so something a little nichier. So I'll tell you about those in a second. And also they'll be in the, the show notes, obviously. But meanwhile, what did we missed, Dan?
2: I mean, I think that there's a lot of the basics around writing online that really matter with Substack and with writing a newsletter, which is publish more often than you think. Most people want to default to quarterly or monthly. And I think that you learn infinitely slower when you are barely publishing like that. And you're, all, you're never taking risks. You're never kind of putting things out there. I love weekly, but at least, you know, bi-weekly or monthly, share more often. There are people that I, clients that I have, they publish three things a week. And you learn so much more that way.
1: Forces you to throw the spaghetti at the wall, right?
2: Yes, indeed.
1: I mean, you are the king of, I thought this This was just me desperately coming up with something because it's time to write, and then it turns out to be your most popular thing. That happens to me, too.
2: Yeah, all the time. that's
1: when we just let the guard down and are like, you know what? I didn't read any books this week, but my word of the year is unapologetic. And that,
2: you know, are yeah, you know, we're then we're, then we're not the best yeah. judges of our own work. The basics matter around really good headlines, really good subheads, really good first paragraphs. And I see this constantly where I'm looking at someone's substack and I'm like, I was brought here for a reason and these headlines are beyond vague. And then the first sentence is like, before we get in, I want to talk about my kitten who's whatever, whatever. And I'm like, you know, just waiting. Like when I'm, and I'm like, I can't figure out what they're writing about. I can't figure out what I'm getting. Those basics that were the same from 20 or 40 or 80 years ago deeply matter today in the online space. Um, And then it's the ecosystem of who are you following? Are you learning? You know, so many people want engagement and they never leave a comment on anyone else's. It is such a powerful thing when you leave a comment, a thoughtful comment, whatever, and someone says, wow, that made my day. If you want engagement, you have to be the person who engages first, not because you're looking to get something for it, but because you are learning what does this feel like? And I I always use this example with book reviews, because everyone's like, I want more book reviews. And it's like, I remember I did a post like a year ago of like the 20 steps to leaving a book review on Amazon. It was so much more complicated than people think. You don't realize like that you're asking them to write a book report and then put that book report online forever. And then you've got to know where these buttons are. And then it wants a headline for your book report, which you didn't know you had to do. And it's... Get in there and learn how to engage if you want engagement.
1: I love that. I'm going to say it again: if you want engagement, you must engage. <laughs> this is just so true. <laughs> All right. Well, we usually end with books we've read, but I'm going to end with Substack recommendations. So you guys take a minute while I talk for a second, while and you can think about it. So um, when it comes to someone who is just substacking and it is free. Um, because the goal is something different, I'm going to point you all very selfishly to my Substack, which is books that I have read and treasured and enjoyed. It is all about the joy of the reading life and it is free because the point for me is to share and reach readers. With this podcast, I usually reach writers and I love you all, but you do not necessarily w- buy my books. How do I know this? Because there are more than you, of you, than have bought some of my books. That's just true. So, I'm trying to reach readers. I am a reader. I glory in sharing. And then my sort of tagline is, you know, I read what I write. I write what I read. Um, so that that one's free.
0: I have, to, next, I have to say something oh. about, KJ's, about KJ's book recommendations. Whenever I can't think of what I They're want really to read. They're really good. Yeah. Whenever I can't <laughs> think of what I want to read next, I literally go see what KJ has recommended. And she gives such clear eyed reviews of books that you know what you're going to get and and i've never been disappointed it is it is just it's wow my, right seriously it's my favorite way to get book <laughs> recommendations it's it's my secret superpower
1: <laughs> i it's there's you there's a wonderful woman who hand makes boots um, and she she comes to me for audio recommendations. She read my boots for In Her Boots. And, you know, she's always talking about and, and um, I've got a cousin who doesn't read. My, I mean, there's a bunch of people who are and, and another friend. There's a bunch of people. I'm good. I'm good at book recommendations. It's what I do. But I'm not. I don't even want people to support that because you don't want the pressure of it. And I don't want to feel like it's, it's a personal to me. It's just not, that's not what I'm trying to get out of this particular thing. It's, it's not like I hesitate, you know, uh, please contribute to hashtag i writing. Please sign up. Please, you know, throw into the kitty. But it, it's, it's a different thing. So then you get down to that next layer of people who are writing and sharing uh, and also welcoming your contribution and your support. And I'm, I'm looking because I've got a couple... there are are these people that you read them for like weeks and weeks and weeks. And then all of a sudden you're like, you know what, I'm going to support. And then there are the people that like I subscribe, but I start with free. And all I ever get is the first three lines of something and the first three lines of something and the first three, and then I just unsubscribe. So I'm going to point you to Catherine Newman, um, who's got a brand new Substack, And one of the hilarious pieces of it is she always covers the little thing that's like asking you to subscribe with like, you know, this shit again. And, and I, I don't, know, she's just, she's just really funny. So she's doing that. She's more of the, if you like me, please join me. I think Emily Grosvenor might also be a good example of that. I'm going to look for those. So kids you're I'm sorry, you're just going to have to go get the show notes because I'm going to look for people that are more in that I am, writing for you, but I would love for you to contribute. And then on the third level, the people who are really writing things in niches that are worth paying for, I'm going to suggest Dinner Love Story, Jenny Rosenstrak's, I think it's called Three Things. And I think it's so cool that all these people who used to blog free recipes, and many of whom ended up with cookbook deals, now can get paid for the recipe. I will pay Jenny Rosenstrack for her recipes and her guidance couldn't that because it's wonderful. Laura Vanderkamp, friend of the show, has a new one called VanderHacks. Every week you get a little short thing you could do to improve your day and your use of your time. I'm sorry, every day you get it. And once a week there's one that's paid um, and they're worth it. And I've, and I have, it took me a little while, but I, I ended up subscribing. Um, And then Kathleen, I'm going to get this name wrong. It's either Katherine or Kathleen Schulten. I'm going to look it up while you guys talk, but it's Publishing Confidential.
2: Oh, Kathleen Schmidt. She's
1: got all. Thank you, Kathleen Schmidt. Um, And, you know, that one, I mean, she gives a lot for free. You're going to be really happy with your subscription. But the moment when you click paid is going to be because you need to know what she's about to lay down. So those are my examples. What do you guys got?
0: So I really have been following Inky Girl, which is the newsletter from uh, the picture book author. uh, Gosh, it's Debbie Ridpath-Ohi. And I've been following her for the reasons of um, figuring out what I want my point of view to be. I'm, I'm new to Substack and I think of her structure as a guide. I really like what she's doing and I like how she's doing it. And so I've been, I've been following her quite closely and her content is just charming and excellent and, and good. Where do you
1: think she falls on this? Is she, where does she fall on the payment scale?
0: I think her, her content that she's giving away is incredibly generous. She's, she's teaching, she's explicitly Mm -hmm. teaching. You want to be a, picture book illustrator. Here's a series on on frequently asked questions. Here's how to do it. Here's insights. Wow. But she also has a when I say charming, she she redid all the covers for the whole relaunch of the Judy Bloom books and she gives insight into getting the call from her agent on that. The process of having to basically apply for the job of that, finding out when she got it. You know, so she gives you that like what Dan was speaking about that insider Uh, look, but she is not requiring payment. It's clearly she is teaching. So that's
1: in between that's support me.
0: Yeah. If you
1: will. And it sounds like she's well worth the support.
0: Yeah. Um, And I also um, would point to Austin Cleon, who I just, his just blows me away and I'm a paid subscriber of that for the reasons that Dan was talking about. I just, I want him to keep doing it. I want him to always be doing it. I want his next book. I want all his things. I think he's brilliant. Um, I I read it every now and then, um, but I'm happy that I get it. Um, it I think to again to what Dan was saying, it makes me feel like I'm in the town square with Austin Cleon, <laughs> um, and I and I replied to something he wrote about a nonfiction book proposal that that didn't fly. And and I I wrote some comment and and he wrote me back and it was that same thing like, ah, that's so cool. And what in what world would I get that? And it I didn't get anything from it except for a little, you know, moment of pleasure. So those are my two that I would point to. Love it. Dan, what do you got?
2: Uh, I'd say yeah, dear. I know too
1: many, too many. Yeah, Mike,
2: <laughs> and you're trying to uh, Dear Somebody by Mira Lee Patel, who is an author and illustrator and an artist. And she does these missives of just Monday and something she's feeling and Tuesday, something she's experiencing. And it's like reading a very elegant notebook and she's inspiring and she's authentic and she's very honest about how she's evolving and growing as a creator. And there's a real tone to it. And then she's ignoring so many quote unquote best practices, yet it feels like this beautiful thing that is completely unique to her. I, you know, know her more from Instagram, but I love her Substack, which is Samantha Dion Baker's Draw Your World. Um, He was another author and illustrator. And she just draws what she sees in the world. And she shares about her life. And I love, I mean, she just aligns so much to the mission of everyone can create. And I just love that of encouraging people to create and to share. And then the last one I'll mention is Create Me Free by Catherine Vercillo. And she's really exploring the intersection between art and mental health. And for me, I work with writers, but I love looking at the creative fields anywhere, anything creative, because I feel like it informs what we do as writers to share what we what we love doing. So I'm always looking at all kinds of different people that might not always be firmly in the writing space in Substack. I love that, and I love that
0: I
1: had... I. Did not know any of the five that you all just gave me, so (laughs) I have some new reading to do. I am also going to try notes, which I have resisted. I've done a few of them. But um, as we were preparing for this, I went into Substack's actual platform, which is, I never do that. I just get the emails. And when you're in the platform, you see the notes you roll by and you see the things that you subscribe to. And it's it's a different experience, And I'm going to do that more, I think. And I wonder if other people will as well, which again, this, it goes to the discoverability of this. So I guess this was all a little bit of a Substack love song. I will throw in there that people, there are definitely is a vocal group objecting to Substack's um, failure to stop. Substack is... It, they'll tell you their facebook that they're a platform and they're not responsible for the content. There are people posting on Substack whose content many creators would prefer Substack to take some ownership of and get rid of. There've been some evolutions around that. I am not informed. I just want to acknowledge that we're, you know, we are we are aware of it. So this is not a perfect um platform that we are sort of pointing you to by any means, but hey, what is? All right. This was so great. Thank you too. We talked for a really long time because the three of us have a lot to say. Um but I hope it's been useful to our listeners. I will say absolutely. Go follow Dan. Dan's Substack is called what? I don't even know what your Substack the is. Creative the Creative shift, shift with
2: Dan Blank. Yes, thank you. Right.
1: And you absolutely should be subscribing. And he is a very good example of someone who gives a lot. And then finally, and actually, it was only just recently that I was finally like, you know, I I am going to pay for Dan. Um, And I've loved Dan for years. But it wasn't that. Again, you give a lot. And then I just wanted all of it. (laughs) Um, which is very different from people who give nothing. And I'm like, I don't know if I want all of it or not. Um, So anyway, you should subscribe to that. And you should subscribe to Jenny's Substack, which is fairly new and I believe still largely free. Um, It's within the Author Accelerator world. So if you love that world, you're going
0: to want to hear from Jenny. And what is it called, Jenny? It's called The Art and Business of Book Coaching, which is the nichiest niche of all the niches. And I love it. (laughs)
2: <laughs> you should s-
1: writers still subscribe because you're going to get writery stuff out of that. I one hundred percent guarantee it, and of course, please support hashtag amwriting. We are turning back on our um paid subscriptions because we really appreciate that you support us in what we do. Producing this podcast is not free in terms of the production or in terms of our time, so we're very grateful for you to you for supporting the effort. And yet, it will stay free, because that's that's what we're doing out here. And of course, you can also follow my substack, hashtag amreading, also free, so that's me. Links to all of that in the show notes, which if you don't get, I don't know what you're thinking. All right, that's it. Uh, Jenny, do you wanna say the leaving catchphrase?
0: Oh my gosh, with my voice oh, today. No pressure. <laughs> I can do it. Keep your butt in your chair and the head in... No. Oh my gosh, I messed it up. Let me do it again. It's okay. Do it again. Keep your butt in the chair and your head in the game. The hashtag AmWriting podcast is produced by Andrew Perilla. Our intro music, aptly titled Unemployed Monday, was written and played by Max Cohen. Andrew and Max were paid for their time and their creative output because everyone deserves to be paid for their work.
1: oh